Monty and Riots versus movies, colon, post-apocalyptic. That was an explosion noise. Hi, I'm Monty. Hi, I'm Rias. We are still watching post-apocalyptic movies. It's fun and we like it. Yay. So, uh, whoa, how's it going, everybody? We can't <laughs> hear you. Ah, oh, boy. We have been stuck in this house together for a long time. And yet we have put off recording this podcast because we're the best. <laughs> well, there is a lot going on on Animal Crossing, you guys. So basically we've just been doing Animal Crossing a lot. I looked at the numbers and I have played it for 95 hours and Rias has played it for like 75 hours. Oh, thank God I'm on the lower end. See, I'm good. I'm holding off. Yeah. I played one day for many, many, for like five or six hours. Yeah. Because I just was zoned out all day. It was my day off. And the next day, all the animals on the island were like, you sure spent a lot of time here having fun yesterday. And I was like, oh my God, I'm being shamed by cartoon (laughs) characters. But this is not an Animal Crossing podcast. It is not. There's probably plenty of Animal Crossing podcasts, if that's your thing. This is a podcast where we watch and versus movies. But first... Well, what we normally do, according to my notes, is we talk about what we've been watching recently. And, of course, when this uh, outline was first planned out, the idea was that new things would be created and we would be able to see them. I've seen some new things. Oh, yeah. Well, not actually new things. Things I haven't seen before. Um, We've both been enjoying on Netflix the Toast of London. Oh, I'm really enjoying Toast of London. It stars Matt Berry, who I mostly recognize from the... What We Do in the Shadows TV show, where he is the pompous one. And that TV show has also come back and is still as enjoyable. Swoon. And on Toast of London, (laughs) he plays a pompous, mustachioed actor in a world full of people with ridiculous names like Clem Fandango and Ron Purchase. Clem Fandango is one of my favorite fake names ever. Like, if I were a famous person who had to check into a hotel under an assumed name... I would go with Clem Fandango. Uh, I have also been binge-watching Taskmaster, the great British TV show, where the premise is that five comedians are set a ridiculous task, like impress a mayor, you have 20 minutes, and then they come up with ways to impress a mayor, and then they are judged arbitrarily by Greg Davies. And one thing I really like about the show is that instead of the usual U.S. reality show model of starting with too many contestants to keep track of and then eliminating one each week, you just have a cast of five. And they get scored, and there's a winner of the show, but it's the same five every week. Yeah, and the tasks are really things that you would think would be simple, but yet are incredibly complicated. Like uh, the one I watched yesterday, the task was... Take four pieces of your clothing and spread them as far apart as you can. So the first guy just took off his shoes and his socks and spread them around the backyard that they were filming in. But other people got taxis involved and were driving as far as they could. And one person panicked and put a tied her sock to a piece of wood and threw it in the river? Yes, on the ground that it would then float out into the ocean, but she didn't realize that the time limit meant... Yeah, that they only had, like, one hour, so it probably didn't go that far in an hour. Right. But it's a super fun show. It, what 
I really enjoy is that there's so much lateral thinking. Like, people look at the task and says, do not touch the bucket. Well, what if I just loop a string around the bucket and move the bucket that way? So then the next one says, do not move the bucket. They say, well, I can't move the bucket, but what about you? Well, can I pay you to move the bucket? So it, it's very fun. It's, it's an interesting exercise in problem solving. Um, and it is on YouTube, I believe. Yes, they have been posting... Full episodes that are up through almost the end of series five, and it's just a ideal these times binge watch for yeah. me. Yeah, it's it's really funny, it's light, it does not challenge you intellectually. Now, because it's been a bit since our last episode, I'm going to go back to the things we said we were looking forward to. And it says here drag race, which I'm enjoying. I am enjoying it as well. Food truck race, which just ended, it was terrible. It was terrible, and it's getting worse. Every season, it gets a little worse. You know, it used to be they would race coast-to-coast food truck race. And then, for a while, they did, like, East Coast, and they just went down the East Coast. This time, they just went to California, and then side trip to Las Vegas. Yeah, they called it the Gold Coast, and I don't know what that means, but I'm sure Las Vegas is not part of it. But also I wanted to cue you up because one movie you said you were looking forward to last time is Satanic Panic. Oh, and I did watch that and it was super fun. I didn't know it was written by Grady Hendrix, who is one of my favorite authors. Um, He just had a book come out called The Southern Book Club's Guide to Killing Vampires. And it's a really good read. It is a horror novel. It's about a bunch of probably 40-ish housewives who are raising children and trying to keep their lives together while there's a horrible monster running loose in the community. And uh, very enjoyable. And Satanic Panic, you also strongly recommend? Super fun? Satanic Panic is very fun. It is not a film about the actual Satanic Panic in the 80s, which I was hoping for, because I grew (laughs) up during that. I had a friend who told me that his mother burned his Dungeons and Dragons book and little demons popped out of them and ran around. The Satanic Panic was all the stories about how D&D was an evil cult and there was a bunch of recovered memories, people. Uh, People driving around in ice cream trucks poisoning children so they could kidnap them and bring them into cults. The horrible McMartin preschool. All that ties into the Satanic Panic. So I would have been happy if the movie had been about that. But... (laughs) Instead, it's a movie about a girl who delivers a pizza to a house where they're having a satanic ritual and they find out she's a virgin and have to sacrifice her. But they are a terribly incompetent group of Satanists and it gets really fun and weird and funny. Yeah. I do recommend it, but if you're looking for like a hardcore horror film, you may not like it. But, you know, sometimes you need a break. Yep. You need some murders you can laugh at. And honestly, mostly we've been playing Animal Crossing. It lets the time go by. But also, we watched a post-apocalyptic movie. And that post-apocalyptic movie was called Six String Samurai, which is a movie I love. I've lost all my notes on it, but I am fully prepared to talk about it as I've seen it a few times. Right. Six String Samurai is one of those movies where there's two writers, Jeffrey Falcon and Lance Mungia. And the director is Lance Mungia. And the star is Jeffrey Falcon. So it's it's... It is low budget, but it. I just did. Uh, I just did a thing about where I was talking about movies that do a lot with a low budget, and this is one of them. Yeah, they. It has really good locations. They went up to Death Valley. Yeah, 
If so, you're looking for a post-apocalyptic landscape, there you go. And the star, Jeffrey Falcon, a really good physical actor, I think. He can do flips, he can... Yeah, he was in some... He was in some of those... I don't know if they're Chinese or... He's been in actual kung fu movies as a stuntman and as the evil white guy. Yeah, but... This... So he's... It's not like in some movies where they just went to the local dojo and hired some dude. Yeah. This guy actually knows his stuff, and he... studied for years, and had a championship belt, I think, for Wuxia. Yeah, the fight scenes, you can tell, oh, this guy knows how to fight. Now, what makes this movie weird is that it has a different aesthetic than Road Warrior. A lot of post-apocalyptic movies just say, okay, mohawks, shoulder pads, spikes, sure, people want gasoline. Sure. What Six String Samurai says, what if there was a nuclear explosion, the Russians took over America, Elvis rules New Vegas, Death himself is walking around, and there's a DJ that sounds exactly like Wolfman Jack. And everybody's sort of a 50s rock and roll aesthetic, but also post-apocalyptic. It is weird. And the for me, I think one of the best things, the thing I enjoyed most about the movie was that it has this great soundtrack by the Red Elvises. I love me the Red Elvises. Me too, but this is how I found out about them was through this movie. Yeah, uh, The Red Elvises are a... I believe they're Russian, or at least Russian-born, but they play surf guitar sound with vocals sort of about Russia. And also some Russian instruments. Yeah. There's some. There's a giant there's... electric balalaika. Yes. And they score the whole movie, which gives the movie a really good soundtrack, and it sounds interesting and unique. The main character looks like Buddy Holly carrying around a guitar, which is like a 57 hollow body, which they say a million times, and there's a katana in it. Yes, of course there is. It doesn't make any sense, and it really, really doesn't care, which I love about it. Yeah, this movie does not take time to explain what Elvis is doing ruling in Las, Las Vegas. Yeah. Uh, it does not explain... Why the, is, is this guy Death? There's a guy that looks like Death, and I think he is actually the physical manifestation. He hangs out death. with three other dudes who are, I guess, the making them the four horsemen of the apocalypse. But and, they have to walk, and the other guys, oh, talk like this! They do. And also, I felt bad for them because I know that this film is filmed in Death Valley, and because they're metal dudes, they were wearing full-on leather outfits and... I just felt bad for them, because yeah. you know this movie could not afford an air-conditioned no. trailer. Uh, their idea of making something post-apocalyptic is to drive, drape a lot of burlap over it. They do that with several sets and a pickup truck. Yeah, it kind of works. Yeah. So, here's the plot of the movie. Uh, I, our character, who has no name, but is called Buddy in the credits, and by me... Okay, the Buddy is the six-string samurai. Yeah. He's got a six-string with a samurai sword... Duct taped yeah. to it. Elvis has died, so it's time for there to be a new king of Vegas. So he's going to go to Vegas. A few times he says, I got a gig in Vegas. Uh, he runs across a kid. He doesn't want to save the kid. He does save the kid. The kid follows him around. Eventually he saves the kid a few more times. They become pals, obviously. Right. That's what happens, for the most part, when you find a kid post-apocalypse. He runs across weird gangs of people, sort of like in The Warriors. Yeah. So he finds these evil bowlers who have nice shoes. The first gang he runs into are the evil bowlers. They threaten him by flipping coins in slow motion and saying, Nice shoes. Nice shoes to die in. 
And then he kills them in a cool fight scene. Yeah. Uh, so you get pretty much the tone of the film. And it's very... It's kind of a surrealist masterpiece in the way that it doesn't bother to explain anything. Yeah. Like, okay, renegade bowlers. Sure. Then he runs across a family in a wrecked house that are acting like a very 1950s situation. Right. They're named Ward and June. And the guy... Their names, right, and their last name is Cleaver. And they talk, obviously, about cannibalism while the little girl licks her lips really obviously and badly. But really, they just steal Buddy's car, go away, and later on we find them dead. It's just like that. It's like action scene, weird stuff. Well, they do put the little boy in a giant pot of vegetables on the stove. Well, yeah, they try to eat him, but eventually they say, the heck with this, we're taking that car. Yeah. Uh, Buddy gets rid of the kid and goes to a bar where he sort of starts to have a sex scene. But oh, is... it is the le- most unpleasant attempt at a sex scene I have ever seen in a film. He's lying completely motionless while this prostitute tries to get his pants off and he's not helping. No, he's just laying there, just dead to the world. And then eventually the kid gets his attention because death is coming. The kid uses his signature line, which is... Yeah, that's all the kid says. No whole movie. He, no, he not... says a few other things. Oh, does he? Yeah, he has that argument about whether one car is faster than another car over a quarter mile. <laughs> oh, that's true. Yeah. So he does talk a little, but mostly it's... Uh, and he meets somebody that like looks like Richie Valens, but he won't fight him because that kid's too young. Eventually he meets the Russian army. Which, who is led by... The entire Red Army. A weird general who yells, I do not like rock and roll music. I like folk music. Then they fight. Uh, Death comes by later and says, Only one man can kill this many Russians. Bring his guitar to me. This movie knows what it is so hard, and I really love that about it. I do, and I like that it embraces what it is. A lot of movies that are your low-budget sci-fi movies will try to rise above their material. This movie does not. This movie knows what its material is. They know they're making a silly, awesome road movie, whatever, and they wallow in it. And that is such... It's really nice. Yeah, I really, really enjoy Six Street Samurai. It is strangely unpretentious. Yeah, they're like, well, this is what we have. We have a good sense of style, we have a great soundtrack, and we have a main actor that can't act but can fight and look cool, and they make their absolutely most out of it. It Yeah, the kid can't act either. Oh, the kid's terrible. They're they're both terrible, but they don't have a lot of long dialogue scenes. They just go around and get in fights with gangs and occasionally say something, and they're well... Perfectly deployed. It's so weird that I accept the bad line readings as being symbolic rather than realistic. They're not trying for realism. If they were, it would not end with a surf guitar versus metal guitar guitar <laughs> solo duel against death. And then I thought it was more of a rockabilly versus okay, metal. I'll give you that. Rockabilly, sure. And then eventually death gets killed by water being splashed on him because they have occasionally referenced the Wizard of Oz and that justifies it somehow. Why did you just spoil the end of the movie? Oh, People are going to be furious. The actual end of the movie is that Buddy dies. He's filled with arrows and he collapses. But then the kid puts on his clothes and they don't fit him. And he continues to walk to Vegas. And it's from behind. And Vegas looks like the Emerald City. And then they fade 
from the kid sort to of. Buddy again. It's like, is the kid you growing see the kid up? growing up to become Buddy. And it doesn't have to mean anything. It's just meaningful in some way. And they took a shot. I don't think that part worked. But I love that they tried. There was ambition all over this movie in a way that a lot of low-budget post-apocalyptic movies don't have. Right. What was that terrible one we watched about Dance Dance Revolution? Um, uh, FP2, Beats of Rage. Yeah, that is a terrible post-apocalyptic movie. Yeah, and they had more budget, and they had a vision, but it never works. This... They have a vision, and no budget, and it works. Yeah. They made an engaging, fun, easy-to-watch movie. The, here are the pros of this movie. It looks great, especially for the budget, has an awesome soundtrack... It moves along quickly, and it's completely crazy. They were apparently planning on making a trilogy of some sort, but not enough people felt the way I did, so this was it. That's but, acceptable. Yeah. Sorry, guys. Sorry, Jeffrey Falcon, if you're out there. I think your movie rules. Um, I believe he lives in China now with some monks. Oh, that's right. He, he, he's he, one of your stereotypical... White guy who learned kung fu from Chinese people, but he doesn't make a big deal out of it. He just actually no, he doesn't did. really act anymore. He actually married a lady that lives in China. Yeah, they have a family. He still studies martial arts over there. Good for him. Doesn't do movies anymore, but it seems. But from all reports, which there are not many, pretty happy. Right, which if there's not many. So if he's out there, good for him. Yeah. So that was our movie this week, Six String Samurai. Now, Rias, I'm going to ask you a question that may... It's under the coffee table. It's not. It's over there. That's not the question I was going to ask. The question I'm going to ask you made a lot more sense when we were planning these podcasts out in the before times. The before times. Rias, what are you looking forward to? Well... Once I pay off that usurer, Tom Nook... Don't call him a usurer. He doesn't charge interest. That's the definition of usury. Once I pay off Tom Nook, I'm looking forward to getting another room. Um, I'm looking forward to taking some time to watch some more movies. I'm definitely looking forward to whatever new episodes of um, What We Do in the Shadows come out. There's a movie on HBO that I wrote in, I think it's, no, it's not HBO, I believe it's Amazon, called um, Ragnarok, which is about some guy who takes his kids on an archaeology field trip, and it's kind of a kid's movie, kind of an adult movie, but I've heard it's really good, so I'm going to try and watch that. Um, you have more answers than I do. I don't know what I'm looking forward to. Um, Avatar The Last Airbender is coming out on Netflix, I'm going to try to finally watch that show. I am very much looking forward to a movie that just recently came out called VFW. Basically, it's a bunch of old veterans sitting around drinking at their local VFW lodge when it is laid siege to by drug-dealing punks. So it's very assault on Precinct 13, except with old grizzled dudes, and everyone says it's a lot of fun. Well, now it is time to pick what movie we are going to watch next. Oh my god, the excitement. We have here the box. It's the your box. turn to it is my turn take out a card. To pick. What are we watching, Rias? We're watching something called Land of Doom. The reason that I kind of rolled my eyes when I looked at this is because I have never even heard of Land of Doom. I remember nothing about 
this or what we thought was a good idea about putting it on the list or why we would watch post-apocalyptic movies. Uh, let's see, it is from 1986. It is 87 minutes. That is a great sign right there. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is a 1986 American film set in the 21st century. So futuristic. After what was known as the final war leaves the world in a post-apocalyptic wasteland, disease, pollution, food, scarce, madman. Blah, blah, blah. Murdering less, the good human beings. One by one, survivors are dying of the plague. Oh, this will be super fun. Oh, wait, no. Harmony, a sexy, acrobatic, elusive rogue warrior wielding a crossbow, decides to stand up for the tormented and molested villagers. Fantastic. I am in. We are looking forward to that. So our next movie is going to be Land of Doom. Doom. You have anything else you would like to tell the people? I hope you're all getting through this well. I hope you are healthy and remain so. Yeah. Bye. Bye.